First of all, great job to our praise team. That is great. Let's give them a hand this morning. Thank you all so much. Uh, look, I'm really liking this series. I'm loving this series that we're in, this Church Defined series where we're looking at the early church and the things that we've been going through in our lives. Uh, I thought it was a good time for us to look at exactly what the church is. You know, if we can't meet, if we're limited to what we can do, well, what is the church? And so in this series, we've been looking at what the Bible says, what the church is. And we've been looking at the early church and maybe allowing God to get us back to that um, and maybe get you back to where you need to be, all right? Now, today I want to start off by asking you a question. Well, really two questions. Uh, first of all, does, does anyone struggle with sin? You don't have to raise your hand. Um, you don't have to nod, but just, you know, answer the question within yourself. Do you struggle with sin sometimes? Second question, okay, it's related. Um, do you repent? Right. Are you repenting? That's a tough question, isn't it? I want to look at that today. I want to look at repentance. And the Bible talks about repentance a lot. You probably have something that comes to your mind when you hear the word repentance. Um, Jesus talked about it a lot. The early church emphasized it a lot and for for some reason, we've gotten away from that, I believe. Uh, the church has gotten gotten away from biblical repentance, and I don't know why. Maybe maybe we believe the enemy's lies. You know, the enemy tries to get us to believe lies. Well, you don't need to do that. This isn't really that important. God didn't really say that, right? Or maybe you're too anchored into the world and everything that's going on that you don't really see the need for repentance. Or maybe you just lost the lordship of Jesus in your life. For whatever reason, when we look at this, I really felt led to talk to you and to us about repentance. And we need to, we need to get back to that. Well, what is repentance? Well, it's not regret. Not just regret, anyway. It's not just feeling sorry. Um, it means to have a change of mind that leads to a change in action. And biblical repentance is turning from sin, literally stopping and turning from sin and turning back to God. Now, you, if you're a Christian, if you've been a believer for any period of time, if you've went to church for any period of time, you probably understand repentance or, or know what it is. But you might say this, you might think this, well, I thought repentance was just a one-time thing, right? You know, I repent. And I come to, to, to Christ in faith, and, you know, that's it. And uh, you know, I just got to tell you, that's wrong. That's not biblical. Uh, repentance isn't a one-time thing. It's a, it's a, it's a lifetime thing. Uh, for example, if you look at all of the Old Testament prophets, every single one of them, all of the Old Testament prophets can be summed up in one word, repent. All of them, if you go back and read them. Repent, come back to me. And who were they? Who were they talking to? God's people. They were God's people 
they got off track, God sent prophets to say, repent, come back. Every single Old Testament prophet. And it doesn't change when you get to the New Testament. John the Baptist comes on the scene. He's given one job and one job only, to make way for the Lord, to, to bring a message of repentance. And you know he does that. Repent and be baptized. And then, then comes Jesus after John the Baptist. Jesus has the same message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And it doesn't stop with Jesus. Peter and Paul both wrote to Christian churches about repentance. And we'll look today before we close. In the last book of the Bible, in Revelation, it is still, the Lord is still talking about repentance. So no, look, it's, it's, not, it's not a one-time thing. We're deceived if we, we think that's true. Let me show you this, Acts 26, verse 20. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and, notice this, demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. Now this is Paul talking. Luke wrote Acts, but he's quoting Paul here. Okay. Repentance is a turning to God through faith in Christ initially, right? That's when you're saved. But repentance is also demonstrated or proven by your deeds. In other words, how you live. And so if that's not, right, if you're not living according to the way God wants you to live, then you need to repent. We need to turn back to God every time we turn away from God. So re repentance is righting the wrongs in your life and repentance is ultimately about this and if you don't take anything away from this message just take this away repentance is about restoration restoration it's about restoring your relationship with God it's about no longer being at odds with God okay and when there's sin in your life there that you are at odds with God. So it's about restoring my relationship to God so that he can use my life. Now look, the Bible also teaches us that none of us are perfect. None of us. That all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. What that means is all of us need to repent. All of us do. So today what I want to do is look back at Acts chapter 2. Now, I know we've already been there, um, but I want to go back and I want to look at Peter's message to the people there. Remember on the day of Pentecost when Peter boldly got up and spoke in tongues, spoke in other languages to all these, these different people, and 3,000 people came to faith in that one day. I want to go back and look at his message because in his message are steps of repentance that still apply to us today. It's very, very practical. So I want to share with you three steps of repentance. And uh, step one is this. You can write this down or they'll be on the screen. Step one is conviction. Conviction. And you, you're familiar with that. But Scripture teaches us that part of the Holy Spirit's job, part of the Holy Spirit's role, is to bring about conviction in our lives. Conviction is that feeling you get when you do something wrong. And uh, it's, it's heavier. It's more when you do something wrong. Um, spiritual, right? When it's when it's uh, when God's involved, it is a deep 
fulfilling in your heart when your life is not where God wants it to be. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now, in this, as Peter opened up, if you remember back, Peter started preaching about Jesus. He started saying, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He did die. He did raise from the dead. And here's the thing. You killed him, right? Remember that? He, he started off preaching that way. Acts 2.37 says this. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. The, to hear that, to hear that they were responsible for the death of God's son, cut them to the heart. Their conviction was tremendous. They were, they were tore up. Let me ask you this. Have you ever experienced that type of feeling? I know I, I have. 20, 20 plus years ago, um, you know, I, I, got, I was saved very early. I was saved at, at the age of eight. But at, after high school and early college years, I just went wild. I don't know how else to explain it. And I went wild. Lost my way. Made terrible choices. Um, and I knew it. Okay? I knew it. H here's the thing. Every single day, I felt conviction. Every time I stepped into a church, I felt it. I felt conviction. Every time I opened up God's word, I felt it. Every time I talked to another Christian, I felt it. For some reason, every time I laid down at night trying to go to sleep, that would be the worst. I would just feel it. It's, it's just like God, I don't know, maybe was trying to get me to feel what I did that day or that week or that month or whatever. It, it, it was a terrible feeling. Have you been there? You know, I, even though that type of feeling, that type of conviction feels terrible, it feels awful, it feels negative, even though it feels that way, it's not. It's a good thing. It's positive. It, it's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing because conviction is a gift from God through his spirit. Through his spirit. It's God saying, hey, something, something's not right. Something's off here. I want something to be different in your life. And, and when, we when we feel that, we should feel guilt. We should feel something. We should feel sorrow. We should feel sadness because we have, we have sinned against God. And if you don't feel that, then you should be worried. And if you're a believer and, and you, you stray and you sin, you will feel conviction. There will come a point to where you will become callous, the Scripture teaches us. But we should feel sadness when we sin. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says this, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin, and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So look, God wants you to experience sorrow. You mean, wait a minute. I thought God just wanted me to be happy and bless me 
and to experience me to experience joy and good times and happiness. Well, that's true, but not when you sin. Not when your life is not where he wants it to be. He wants you to be sorrowful. Right? He wants he wants you to he wants you to feel that. If your life isn't where he wants you to be, he wants you to know it. How else are you going to know? There's only a couple of options. He wants you to feel sadness. Number one, look, this is just the truth, and we need to get it. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for your sin. Right? So sin makes him sorrowful. It should make us sorrowful. And the second reason is he loves you. He loves you. And he knows what sin does. He knows what sin leads to. He doesn't want you to go there. Look, my life could have been so different. I would not. I guarantee you. I promise you. I would not be here today. If it wasn't for God. It could have been so bad that's how bad it was i remember i know i was there anybody that knows me my wife can tell you anybody that knows me knows how bad it was my life could have been so bad god didn't want that for me now my life is different not perfect completely different path though is what i want you to understand completely different and the, the only regret that I have is that I didn't repent sooner. That's the only regret I have. You know, that I didn't go to God sooner and take care of that sooner. And so conviction is a gift. It's given by God through the Holy Spirit to get your attention, to wake you up, to snap you out of it sometimes. Sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need that. And it's so you can realize that you're not where God wants you to be. So, so ideally, we would be experiencing conviction all the time. Because you, you said, you didn't say, I could just tell. You said you struggle with sin. All of us do. So conviction, we should, if we struggle with sin, we should, you see what I'm saying? You should struggle with conviction all the time as well. Second step in repentance is this, confession. Confession. And this is going to be uneasy for you to hear. It's uneasy for me to talk about but we don't do this for some reason. But confessing, you know what that is. It's going to God directly through prayer and confessing, or it's, it's talking to another believer, a brother or sister in Christ. There's biblical support for that. Confess your sins to one another. Right? And by doing so, you are, you are confessing to God in, in that way. But it's confessing. It's it's talking either to God or to, to others about your sin, about your struggles. And like I said, many people stop here. Most people stop here. Almost everybody stops here. They get the conviction part, right, and skip the confession, except for, for Catholics. And they, they do this, but they just do it the wrong way, right? Skip it. Look, confession is is an essential part of repentance. 
confession is essential for restoration. I'll show you in just a minute how essential it is. But it is essential for you to be restored. It is. Um, let's look at the same verse. We're just going to read all of it this time, Acts 2.37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Now look, I know, I know this isn't the best example of a confession, but it's still there. Um, notice they didn't deny it. Okay, it didn't say, "Well, you got to know us." That's the wrong people. You got the wrong people. No, you, the religious leaders did that, right? No, it was this group over here, right? They, they did. They didn't deny it, or they didn't blame somebody else. In front of everybody else, in front of this big crowd of people, they took responsibility. They took ownership. Look, the most difficult thing for us to do is to admit fault. It is. Um, the most difficult words for us to get off of our tongue is, I'm sorry. Am I right, husbands? Yeah. Do you know what that is? It's pride. It's pride. And God knows it. God knows that. That's why confession is essential. Because confession eliminates pride. Confession puts you toe-to-toe, head-to-head, with your greatest enemy, your own pride. God knows that. So confession combats, eliminates your pride. It, It places your faith and your love for God over your faith and your pride in yourself. That's what it does. It rids you of pride. Confession humbles you. It it allows you to take responsibility for your sin, and it also does this greatly. It does this perfectly. It prepares you to receive God's forgiveness. It prepares God to purify you. If if you're not rid of the pride, a little bit of that stays behind. Um, if my child does something wrong, does something bad, which happens all the time, okay. If if they do something wrong and I find out about it and they don't tell me, I may forgive them. You know, it it depends on what it is. But I love my child, you see. My child will always be my child, and I will always love them. What if my child does something wrong, comes to me broken, with almost tear, tears in their eyes, and they say, Dad, I did something wrong. I did something I shouldn't have. And I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Do you see the difference there? I'll be like, oh, yes, I'll forgive you. Yes. That's the difference. Um, I'll forgive them on the spot. God does that too. You know, just because you're, 
you do something wrong doesn't mean he doesn't love you. But when you do this, God forgives you and purifies you. Look at 1 John 1, 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What is that? That's pride. That's what we've been talking about. And look, all of us are guilty of thinking that our sin is not a big deal. It, oh, that's just this. It's not really big. It's not really hurting anybody. It's not bothering anybody. It's not a big deal. I really don't have a whole lot of sin in my life. I don't need to repent. I don't need to confess. The only person you're fooling is yourself. What this scripture says. But, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, there's the forgiveness, there's the purification because the pride is gone. It's gone. Here's what's so amazing about God. Even though we are unfaithful to him time after time after time, he is always faithful to us. Anytime that we go to him, Anytime that we cry out to him, if we confess to him, if we lay it all out, if we say, God, here's my struggle, here's my confession, I'm sorry, help me with this, he is always faithful. He will never, ever say, no, I won't help you. I will not forgive you. No, it happens every time. He's faithful. So, look, confession is not a weakness. I know we, especially men, guys, confession sounds like the timeout chair. You know, like, oh, you know. It's not. Actually, that's foolish to think that way. Confession is a strength. When we confess, it gets rid of our pride. It empties empties us of ourselves, and it allows God to fill us with his grace and his mercy. That's what it does. So it's strength. It's strength. Well, the final step in repentance is this, commitment. After conviction, after confession, then there's commitment. And that is the action part, right? That is the do part. You know, you come to me, you come to God, you, you confess, he forgives you, and then here's the restoration part to, to send you back out, to be obedient to him. Here's your second chance, in other words. Here's the commitment part. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So just a couple of things here. First of all, uh, Peter says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. You see, and what a relevant message for our, us today. Oh, guys, don't, don't be like the world. When we look out there, parents, we are not to be like the world. Men, you're not to be like the world. Ladies, you're not to be like the world. You're to be like Christ. You'd be different. Most of our sin is wrapped up in this. Most of our sin is in this area right here. We're, We're like the world. We're like the world. And God says, don't be like that. Be different. Second thing is, that they do is they were all baptized. They, it says those who accepted the message were baptized. What is that? That is commitment. Man, baptism is important. I know we look at it today and it's a big deal for us, but for them it would have been huge to 
to confess your faith in Jesus Christ and to be baptized. They had just killed Jesus. These people are placing their faith in him and they're being baptized. They are pledging their lives not to the religious council, not to the Sanhedrin, not to Pontius Pilate, not even to Caesar. They are placing their lives in allegiance to Jesus Christ. It would have been bold for them to do this, and they did it. They did it. And, no, and notice 3,000. We celebrate that number, and that is a huge number. That's big. But estimates are there were hundreds of thousands of people that would have heard this. Most people won't accept the message. Most people won't obey. Most people won't commit. But there are a few who will. Is that you? We, we are to be like Christ. What do you need to do? What commitment do you need to make? What, what do you need to do in obedience to God that you've been feeling maybe for many years? Look, the goal, the whole goal of repentance is what? Restoration. To restore you so that you can grow in your faith and so that God can use you. Now, following Jesus is a commitment. It is. When he says, follow me and pick up your cross and deny yourself daily even, that's a commitment. And when we don't do that, we need to repent so that we can do that. So those are the steps of repentance. And if you're still not sure about repentance, I want to I wanna close w- with this here. Um, why repent? I want to share two things with you before we close. Why, why repent? Well, first off, God commands it. God commands repentance. Like I said when I opened up, I think we've gotten to a place where we don't really think repentance is important. Or, or we see it as not a big deal or optional. And I just have to share with you, I have to tell you that it does matter. According to God's word, it isn't optional. And yeah, you might choose not to do it. That's fine. But when you do that, you're choosing to be at odds with God. And I don't know why you would want to. The Bible is filled with commandments, not just suggestions, but commandments. Every one of the prophets were sent with a message, and that message was commandments from the Lord to repent, to repent. And Jesus, I want to share this with you. Jesus spoke to the church in Ephesus. Okay, we all know Ephesians um, was the church in Ephesus. I love the letter of Ephesians that Paul wrote to them. Very, very great church. When we read that, that's like the model church, okay? But something happens when we, by the time we get to Revelation, something happened in that short period of time. They're not the church that they started off being. And they were not fooling God. And so the Lord sent them a message through John and Revelation 2 verse 4 in verses 1 through 3, Jesus says, look, you do these things good. You, you do these things okay. I'm proud of you for these things. But, 
but you're missing the mark here. And he says this, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Wow. And I want Jesus to come back, don't you? But not for this. Like, like, I don't want him to come back and do that. There's a, there's a stern warning here, and the Lord doesn't sugarcoat anything he ever says to repent, to come back to God, to, to go back to the love they had at first. And what's interesting, if you read Ephesians, the way it opens up is their first love is Jesus. Their first love is the gospel. Somehow they've gotten away from their first love. Somehow they've gotten away from that. And I'm thinking, man, we can do that too. We can do that individually. We can do that as a church. We can lose our first love. And Jesus said, remember, remember that time when you fell in love with me? Remember that time when you heard the gospel and it tore you, it broke you? Remember that time when you heard that you could be forgiven? Remember that time when you you heard that I died for you because that's how much I love you. Remember how loved you felt? Remember how energized you felt? Remember Remember that time? What happened to that time? Go back to that. So repentance isn't optional. It's it's a command from from the Lord. Sometimes we just the fact is we get off track. So he commands us to go back to repent. Well, there's another reason why we should repent. God blesses repentance. God blesses it. We should want to repent because God blesses us when we do. Um, Just like that feeling that I would get if my kid came to me broken, sincere, genuine, to the point of tears, Dad, I did something wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I'd be like, yes, I'll forgive you. And I will go buy you a toy. And I'll go buy you a Happy Meal from McDonald's. You see, that that type of approach to the Father, he loves that. He loves that. Just like we would love that from our kids, that would melt my heart. I would want to do anything for them after that moment. Yes, I'll forgive you. Let's go get a toy. You know, God blesses us the same way. Look at Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Oh, isn't that good? I don't know about you, but times of refreshing sounds good to me. I look out in our lives, in our community, in our country, in our world. I think we need a time of refreshing. That sounds sounds so good to me. I mean, when we repent, not only does God restore, but God refreshes. He refreshes. He blesses. Um, repentance is all about restoration. God blesses the repentant life. I want to end on this. 
in preparing for this message, I thought I thought back to the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Many of you are familiar with that. I like to call it the parable of the forgiving father because it's really not about the son. It's about the father. But in this, this man has two sons, and his younger son uh, demands that the father give him his inheritance early. Okay, um, The father grants it, grants his wish, gives the son his inheritance, and so the son's all happy. Um, the son leaves the home, goes off and starts spending his inheritance, spending money, living a wild lifestyle. Man, just reminds me of me in a lot of ways, you know. Um, but just goes off and just lives unresponsibly. Pretty soon he's bankrupt, doesn't have anything, and he has to get a job um, feeding pigs, which is a whole other story. I don't have time to go, to go into that today, but this guy is at the end. He's at the bottom. He's as low as you can go for him. And you know what he does in that moment? Starts feeling conviction. Starts thinking back, well, my life wasn't so bad after all. I was in a good place. I really messed up here. Why did I do this? You can read it. It's in Luke 15. These things start weighing upon him. And what does he do? He decides to stop and return to the Father. Return home. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to my Father. He does that. And even before he can get home to the house, the Father runs out to meet the son with open arms boy isn't that good that is so good and you know what the son does before the father can say anything the son says father i have sinned against you what's he doing there confession you see he he emptied himself of his pride he got rid of it completely what does the father do after that hey you bring me the best robe Bring me the robe for my son. You bring me sandals for his feet. You give me, go find my signet ring. That's the most important piece of jewelry that's in my house. Go give me my signet ring. I'm going to put it on his finger. Oh, that fatted calf that we've been waiting on for a year? You go get it. We're going to kill it right now. Why? Why? Let me read this to you. Verse 24 in Luke 15 says, this is the father speaking, let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine who was dead, is alive again. He was lost, but now is found. Ah, God celebrates when his child returns home. He does the same thing with us, with me and you. He does. Man, we should want to repent because God blesses us when we do. We have a good father. We have a great God. We have a God that's filled with grace and love and mercy. So I pray that whatever you need to do today, you would return to him. You would repent. You would confess. And that you would commit your life to following Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your message given to us. Father, when we look at repentance, it's really not something that we do. It's really not something that we see as important. And, and Father, forgive us for that. Your word teaches us the importance of repentance, the importance of of coming to you when we stray, the importance of seeking you out when we wander, the importance of ridding ourselves of pride and, and being humble 
just like your son Jesus was humble to come from heaven to earth to die upon a cross for us. When we confess, it shows that we are emptying our, us of ourselves so that you can fill us with your grace and your mercy. Father, if there's anything that we are doing that we should stop, I pray that we would do that today. If there's anything that we have not done that you want us to do, and we know it, I pray that we would do that as well today. Father, may we commit our lives to be obedient to you and following Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.